Speaking of making it, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Duel of the Takes. Uh, I think this is kind of a, a special episode. Um, the first of this fucking weird format. I don't. I literally don't know what this is going to look like. We were like, hey, we're going to do this on camera for some reason. So, hello. <laughs> two, two Duel of the Takes panelists are together. Yeah. And, uh, I've, well, I guess all three of us are technically on vacation right now. Yeah, no, it it, uh, it feels like this is a, to me, this is a celebration. I'm back in the house that I started this show in, uh, that yeah. we started this show in. Uh, it was a little over a year ago at the start of the pandemic. According to the President of the United States, the pandemic officially <laughs> ended yesterday. There's a lot of things to celebrate. Our podcast is a little over a year old. Um, the pandemic that started uh, this podcast and put creatives in a spot where they had to make their own content from home and stuff like that, um, that, that happened a year ago. And uh, it's with, uh, with kind of sour news, I regret to inform your, you guys, our audience. It sounds like Jory is probably leaving the show um, indefinitely. So um, Jory Wonder 2049 has ran away he's uh you know he's a good friend of the show he'll continue i'm sure popping around and uh i think if he wants a less permanent position i think he's just going to be our resident tiebreaker i don't know how we're going to work that out but he's been complaining since the inception of the show that we don't have a system to fix the ties little did he know he was the the solution we have so um <laughs> we'll, we'll incorporate him he's he's awesome Still, yeah, we love still good friends. We're not, we're not leaving on sour terms or anything. I just think uh, it's been a year. It's hard to stick with something when only 70 of you guys are listening. But thank you, all 70 of you. Mom, shout outs. Love that people are listening to this podcast. You guys rock. But uh, all this talk about years and time, very uh, topical. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh is wearing a Back to the Future shirt, so it yeah. all adds up. It all connects. We are talking about time travel movies today, which, personally, I it's weird because we did the sci-fi bracket about a year ago, and there was an entire quadrant on there that were time travel movies. And then, like, even back then, I was like, we could do a whole bracket on just time travel movies. You forgot how many there are. We actually even made this just one per series. So it's like, we don't even have all three Back to the Futures on here. There's, like, 70 time travel movies, at least. And I think, I want to say we picked the best of the best, but there's some mm. picks on here. We made it, we made it very, There um, are the best of the best, but it's not all the best of the best. Yeah, it's a weird selection we got here. <laughs> I think I like the way that this is seated, so uh, let's just get started, shall we? Yeah. Up first, we've got Groundhog Day up against Palm Springs. I feel like we're about to really shit on Palm Springs, and like, I don't hate that movie. Um, no, not at all. I remember the hype going into that movie that like, this is kind of like, it was kind of like a passion project for Andy Sandberg and... Uh, yeah, they really like the cast. I, I think I saw it at a drive-in, actually. And um, I went in, and, and it was fine. The first two acts, like, I was like, all right, this is pretty funny, pretty entertaining. And I think the movie kind of jumps the shark in the third act. And it just... it A lot of time travel movies struggle with this. I think we're going to see a pattern where they have a really weak third act. And I think Palm Springs is just one of the victims of that. 
it rides its in- inspirations on its sleeve. The movie's pretty self-aware that it's it's just ripping off Groundhog Day, and I think that that's fine. But uh, I mean, I love Andy Samberg. I love Aubrey Plaza. Like, it's it's a good cast. It's a it's a good little movie. J.K. Simmons is great in it as well. Like, there's there's some good moments. But I, I don't wish think the it's movie was about it. Andy Sam Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons as a dynamic. Yeah. That scene where the, he's just uh, J.K. Simmons is just railing coke in the bathroom is is actually <laughs> hilarious. It's it's really good. I want to see that as the movie. Like J.K. Simmons should have been the main character, but uh, no, I, I mean I think it it's uh it's a good movie, but come on, it's Groundhog Day here. No contest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean we wouldn't have Palm Springs or some of these movies without Groundhog Day. It's most uh, likely not. It's an essential time travel movie. It's still getting redone in different ways. Like, there's other movies on here that are just Groundhog Day but this. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird because it's not, ne- like, it's time travel, sure, because it's just the same day over and over again. But I wouldn't necessarily say that's, like, I don't know. It's, like, just time loop movies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, up next, we've got Blast from the Past up against Forever Young, which, this, this is a selection. <laughs> uh Blast from the Past does not uh, include time travel, by the way. <laughs> it's just uh, someone who was raised underground in a bunker uh, comes to life in, like, the late 90s or whatever and, like, rises to the surface. So he, he's kind of like he's from the past, but it's just because he's raised in a bunker. Damn, he's Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Brendan Fraser as Captain America would have been Kino. If they, yeah, 90s Avengers, he he oh, would have yeah. been the perfect Captain America. Yeah, I feel like they would have might might they might have also done him for Thor back then. Like I feel like he was always he was always cast as like the big muscly dude back in the day. And with all that <laughs> with all that in the play, I think I'm voting Blast from the past. <laughs> I I'm Yeah, for, Forever Young's a fine little movie, but if you've seen if you've seen Seventeen again, it's it's that, but before it like it's like oh I get to go back to being a younger version of myself. That's dope. The best thing about Forever Young is the Alphaville song that everyone knows from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> Blast from the Past is good. It's it's a pretty yeah. fun movie. <laughs> Up next oh, we've boy. got. The third installment in two different franchises. We've got Men in Black 3 up against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. So In an ironic sense, 100%. I don't think mine's as ironic. I just love the movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3? It's really bad. It's hard for me to watch now, but I've seen it at least 50 times since I was little. (laughs) Yeah, so, it was one of the. It was definitely one of the big like DVD movies as a oh, kid. Yeah. I would watch. It was like permanently in my portable DVD player. But yeah, all three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three is the one of the live action turtles movies from the nineties that I've seen the most by a lot. I've only seen the first one a handful of times, and the second one like once. So the the third one was just the one I had a copy of, and uh, yeah, I watched that a lot as a kid. Yeah, like. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I know we talked about where I have the scorching hot take that the original Ninja Turtles movie would be on my like my top ten like favorite, I guess, comic book superhero movies ever. And yeah. I can't say the same about Ninja Turtles three, but compared to MIB three, I 
I think that this that MIB three is going to go down as one of the more underrated blockbusters of the two thousand tens. Oh yeah, this movie's actually pretty good. I feel like it's a hot take to say that Men in Black three is my favorite of the series, but both of these are my favorite of their series. Yeah, but one of them's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Men in Black 3, my biggest problem with it is I don't think the villain's all that strong, but um, the characters are so good. Uh, Josh Brolin kind of steals the movie, in my opinion, as a younger version of uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character from the first two movies. And there's actually still a good amount of Tommy Lee Jones in the movie, too. So it's not like they just got rid of him, recasted him. Bringing time travel in with the alien Men in Black thing and embodying it in the 60s when... It happened. I think Men in Black 3 is, like, the coolest thing you can do with that that premise. And they take it back to when, like, Roswell and Woodstock and all that stuff's going on. Also, I think Bill Hader plays uh, Andy Warhol in this movie. Really? Hang on. Let me look that up. I'm pretty sure that's who plays Andy Warhol in this movie. I'm trying it, to it remember. It threw me off the last time I watched insane. it. Yeah, Men in Black 3, Andy Warhol. Yeah, it's, it's straight up shit. Bill Hader. I knew it. <laughs> That's like one of the funny, funniest scenes of the movie. Yeah. I love that scene. <laughs> but I, That's I was awesome. watching it again, like, not terribly, like, like maybe a month or two ago. And I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah. is that fucking Bill Hader? <laughs> <laughs> the ending, like, gives you, like, kind of almost a tear. Almost, like, almost to a point of tears it, no, it, it kind of it puts the whole trilogy and like just ties a nice bow around it yeah it bookends it perfectly like they, they could never do a men in black four with tommy lee jones who is like 87 now or whatever and will smith like it's That's done why yeah. i appreciate the fourth one is because they didn't try that the, i don't appreciate the fourth exist. one because it didn't do well, anything it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to exist but the remember when sony uh was thinking about doing a 21 Jump Street MIB crossover no. where they were going to become MIB agents. I don't remember this yeah, happening. Yeah, it was going to be Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill starring in <laughs> Men in Black. Like kind of, like a soft reboot, I guess. When was yeah, this? It was, it was going to be 22 Jump Street 3 Men in Black. Like, it was wild. This was like 2015 mm -hmm. or something. And that uh, it was gonna be to it. it was gonna be Lord and Miller. It was like right off, yeah. right after the oh. first two movies. Yeah, I, yeah, I think wasn't it supposed to be called like yeah? It was supposed to be yeah, called that. Huh. I think that could have been cool. Like I remember when the when that stuff was like rumored. I remember my friends weren't really into that, but I'm like, I don't know if you're gonna continue those two franchises and like connected to a property that's really that was really big at that time. That was the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Especially oh, I think it might have been called directors. 51 Jump Street. Like, Area 51. <laughs> I think it was going to be called 51 Jump Street. <laughs> I There's so much potential with that. That would have worked really well. I don't know if they would have crossed over with, like, Will Smith's uh, Men in Black or Tommy Lee Jones. I don't think they... I, I don't think I doubt they would have done it. I there think probably the would have been, like, a part, nod to it. I, the difficult part for that would have been, like, the, the rating. Because you can't tone back... For a 21 Jump Street movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But. I don't. I don't know. I mean I feel like Jonah Hill. Is funny enough where you could put him in that. Like kind of role. And then Channing Tatum will just bounce off of him. Like he did in the other two movies. Yeah. Alright. So all that said. I, are we just going with Men in Black 3 here? 
It's Men in Black. Yeah, yeah. It's the much better movie. I agree. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Up next, we've got a <laughs> Nolan fight. Throwback to our uh, our Nolan ranking. We've got Tenet versus Interstellar. I mean, all of his movies have to do something with like the concept of time in one way or another, whether it's the way the story is being told or whether it's like a framing device or sometimes both, like in uh, Memento. But um, in this, we're simply looking at the movies that have time travel in the plot. And uh, yeah, Tenet versus Interstellar. This is interesting. I've thought about this one a lot today. <laughs> and like Yeah. You've been talking about it all week. What do you when it comes to just the time traveling alone, I mean Interstellar's probably a little more interesting of what actually happens because you have them traveling through like space and then they go to that planet with the big uh, tsunami waves and then they go they go back uh, they go back on the ship and their friends age like fifty years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Each minute on that planet is like seven years in real life or whatever. Right? These yeah. are very. <clears throat> I guess for Tenet, it is a very interesting concept in the way that they travel through time, but in Interstellar, it's all like physics-based and how we theorize <laughs> all of it would go. So it's like very different because you've got complete fiction and then you've got something that could sort of happen. My head doesn't hurt when I. Not to like the third act of Interstellar. My head hurts after like the first twenty minutes of Tenet. <laughs> yeah, I think like Interstellar's cool because it's like the most scientifically accurate portrayal of time travel that I think we've seen in a movie in terms of like it, like if we were able to, to travel through time, it would be traveling at the speed of light, so which, you know, you're not aging because you're you're moving through the universe so quickly and that's kinda what they show off in this movie and the yeah. orbitation the the orbiting in the like rotation around a different sun or a different star like or the black the, the science behind it's like this is like theoretically how that would work until you get to the third act and then it's like we're trying to tell a narrative here um and with tenet it's just like i think will smith actually like co-wrote this movie i think he just said huh yeah it's rewind time, and that was that was Tenet. <laughs> Tenet, Tenet <laughs> I like, like Tenet. I think it's more fun, but I think Interstellar's the better time travel movie in this context. When you think about it, when you think about it, Tenet's kind of like a Groundhog Day. If like they planned out in almost like a war type scenario, it's like a planned out battle version of Groundhog Day. By the time yeah. you get to uh, the third act, yeah. I find it to be pretty simple, but also really complicated. And it's it, <laughs> Over, overly occasion, complicated. It's, to, it's a yeah. fascinating film, but yeah, mm -hmm. when it comes to time travel movies, yeah, it's Interstellar. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right, so I know I said earlier Whoa. we did one movie per franchise. I lied. Right here, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Terminator versus Terminator Two. Now, I think that this is an interesting fight because, uh, well, one, James Cameron is the best director of all time, uh, and two. I think that, uh, I mean, like, Terminator was kind of, like, his first kind of go at things as a, as a f like, full creative control, and it's an awesome thriller. It, it's great. It works as both a horror movie and an action movie. It's a perfect sci-fi time travel thriller. But then the, se the sequel is, I would say, the best action movie of the 90s and probably top five of all time. Yeah, I... And, like, I love both of these movies, and I... I know I've said on the show before I'm a big Terminator 1 stan. I don't think this movie 
it gets so much love, but I also don't think it gets enough because I think Terminator 2 rightfully so overshadows it sometimes. Yeah. I just love the sci-fi horror element of Terminator 1. I think it's kind of the better sci-fi movie. And, like, if it wasn't for my love for Star Wars, the first Terminator movie, I mean, it's right up there with, like, Blade Runner and, Ex like... Machina. Yeah, as, <laughs> as like that, that would be my guess top sci-fi outside of like I guess like the Star Wars franchise, which will always be number one in my heart. But I, it's tough because I I want to say the first Terminator here when it comes to the time travel because I it's, want it introduces it. I can't say it's a bigger threat though because the T one thousand in Terminator two is just like. It feels like an unstoppable force. Both feel like unstoppable forces, yeah. but the T-1000, it was like, how, even with Arnold, how are they going to stop this thing? Yeah. I think, personally, the first movie is a better time travel movie, for a similar reason to, like, the Interstellar argument. Time travel yeah. is so crucial to the plot of that movie, because you have, uh, you have, uh, whatever chris kyle the american sniper go back in time to uh, <laughs> to, to save sarah connor from the t-800 and then you have the t-800 going back to terminate sarah connor but then you also have like oh this is how uh like this is how uh john connor gets like conceived essentially like that's actually the biggest part of the movie if you're going beyond this first movie and what it is like the lore of that like John Connor becomes like the savior for that that resistance and and the battle of the machines. So it's like it goes back full circle and it's all centered around time travel. Whereas like the second one, it's like oh, we have to like change the past so that way doomsday doesn't happen. The the judgment day doesn't happen. They're stopping an apocalypse essentially instead of just like trying to stop someone from being born, which to me is way more butterfly effect, way more time travel. That's how I'm looking at it here. Yeah, and, like, I know it's not T2's fault, Terminator 2's fault, but the lore after Terminator 2 has been so bad, even though it should have just ended with Terminator 2, like, they stopped Skynet. Like, that, that's, that yeah. should have been the end of the franchise and then do some extended lore after that. There shouldn't have been a Terminator 3 or uh, Genesis, Dark Fade, whatever. Salvation was fine because it's a prequel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, when it comes to time travel, like Terminator One, it's so, it feels so like small, but it's like it's cut so perfectly, and it just goes boom, 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 gives you like twist on the way. Uh, the journey through that movie might be not as like fulfilling as the reward of Terminator Two, but I think the journey outweighs the destination in this scenario. Yeah, and I think, like, too, in the pacing department, like, the first Terminator movie is, like, 90 minutes. Or it's, like, 93 minutes or something. Like, it, it just moves along at, a at, like, a breakneck speed. It's, like, from from one one set piece to another, you get a little bit with the characters and, and them kind of growing or whatever through the course of the story. But then Terminator 2 is like a two and a half hour long epic. Like, that movie yeah. is long. Yeah. Like, there's so many, like, everyone remembers the first, like, hour because it's like, oh, you got John Connor with his weird-ass haircut going around on his <laughs> dirt bike and then he meets the two robots and then it's like, that's cool. But then it's like, oh, then they break the mom out of the psych ward. Then they go and they try to kill Miles Davis and then they, Miles Davis. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's it rocks. Miles Dyson. Sorry about that. <laughs> Terminator One. We've got Source Code up against uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Edge of Tomorrow. Same director as Jumper. Doug Lyman, dude. He's a legend. <laughs> or An live die repeat. Legend. Doug Lyman, if you're watching, one, why? Two, you want to come on our show? We'll, we'll watch uh, Chaos Walking with you. Can we rank his movies? <laughs> I think I, uh, Edge of Tomorrow would be pretty high up there. Yeah, high day, but it's a it's a Halo movie. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's one of his. Uh, it's probably his best movie. I mean, I think Edge of Tomorrow is a really good movie. Um, when it yeah. came, when it came out, it got really really hyped up by like people who are like this is like so underrated and now it's kind of become overrated but i still think like i still remember like watching that movie and wanting to like show my friends this i'm like no this is really cool we don't have to watch another marvel movie right now let's watch something different it was genuinely a unique blockbuster like we don't really get things yeah. like that yeah. i think it's technically based off of a graphic novel or like a manga or something but like that, i mean yeah. it feels enough like its own thing it's not tied to these characters that everyone knows and yeah to me it feels like it feels like in the early 2000s or i guess this was 2014 so i guess like early yeah. to mid 2000s we got original like sci-fi movies like that came out like you had avatar you had district 9 you had like these these movies were like oh this doesn't have to be tied to a cinematic universe and this and movie still has gotten sequels and i, think I don't think Oblivion it was, like this was before point. this yeah, I think which it was is, the summer before. Which is also and then underrated. Elysium or whatever was right around there too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Chappie was the same year. Yeah. There was yeah. there was a lot of shit coming out. I love Chappie. <laughs> um to speak to the other movie, Source Code. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but this ain't it. This isn't <laughs> this isn't the best Jake Gyllenhaal movie on this bracket. It's so This weird is one. Groundhog Day, but it's only twelve minutes and you have to stop a train from derailing, and that's the entire movie. <laughs> it, it's like a good idea for a short and it's like in theory a good idea for an action movie but it's like it's oddly too repetitive and not in the way they're intending like that like they play up the repetitiveness of like like tom cruise just dying over and over again as a joke and it's like he's progressing as a character and he's like dodging all these bullets like it's the matrix because he's lived this same day over and over again but in uh, source code it takes itself way too seriously for what it is like it's a B movie premise, and they just are like, "This is this is how it works," and it's like, "Bro, who cares?" <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat, whatever you want to call it. I want to call it Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> I want to call it Edge Lords of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the Alden round. Uh oh. <laughs> We've got the, uh, like, 1962 time machine going up against, like, the 2002 time machine with uh, Guy Pierce that we watched oh. in a Mexican restaurant in yep. Queens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys did. My back was to the TV. Yeah, um, that movie looked real bad. It, <laughs> it's bad. It, that sucks, because I love Guy Pierce, And, like, you could tell, like, yeah. he's just, like... He just never, he never had his movie. Like, I, a Memento, Memento's like his movie, but he never had his Iron movie. Iron Man 3. Blockbuster-wise. Yes, he's Kino in Iron Man 3. Yeah, I've somehow <laughs> accidentally seen most of his movies in the last month. And I just, I don't know how, but it happened. 
Yeah, Memento's awesome. Guy Pierce rocks in that movie. He's the best part. Like, he's so good in that movie. Yeah. He never had his, like, big blockbuster role like an A-list actor should have been. Sadly, I don't think he ever became an A-list actor. I think for, like, film fans, he's A-list, but I, he just never reached that blockbuster. <laughs> I just saw him in the new Tom Clancy movie. <laughs> oh, he's in the Michael to, B. Jordan movie? I was trying to remember it. Yeah, he's in there. Damn, I, the, is he a villain? Is he a third-act villain again? I don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm not watching it. <laughs> you shouldn't. Uh, he is. He's literally, like, a third-act villain again. <laughs> He's Lotso Hugging Bear. He's getting tight-casted as a third-act villain well, for the rest of his career. It's, it's like, hyper-predictable. You just, it's... <laughs> you know he's the villain from the start, but they try to play it that he's not. But I, oh, like Iron Man three. <laughs> At least Iron Man three, like you can have fun with it. Iron Man three is straight up live action syndrome. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Uh, All right. What was sweet. the other movie? It on sounds here? like it's going <laughs> the to the uh, the original time machine here, the the one that's a more close uh, adaptation of the H.G. Wells novel. In that it's not close at all, but it's like a '60s yeah. budget science fiction movie. Yeah, it's going past the Guy Pierce one, but not by much. All right. Up next, we've got Primer versus Paycheck. Now, I sent you guys. Both of these movies are about building a time machine and experimenting with it for the first time. Paycheck is based off of a book by the guy who did, like, Minority Report and Blade Runner. Have you guys oh. seen the trailer? I sent it to you a while ago for Paycheck. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. That's what, yeah, um... it's like... yeah. Yes. Ben Affleck, Uma Thurman, <laughs> Eric Bana. Was really like, it's wild. The, this like, might be the, the thumbnail started. I... The thumbnail started moving and it was just Ben Affleck yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like oh Ben God, Affleck's commission to like Yeah, it came out Chris on Christmas Day, directed by uh John, uh Wu. Uh same guy as like Face Off. Uh it's a wild action movie. Ben Affleck. So, like, Ben Uma Affleck, Thurman. he's hired to build a time machine by this company. And then they, like, give him all the resources and shit and then wipe his brain. And then the the government's like, how did you do this? And he's like, I don't know. You're going to have to reverse engineer it. So then, like, the company and the CIA are after Ben Affleck and Uma Thurman. It's wild. Um, but it sucks. Uh, this, primer this cast, rocks. The cast is crazy. The, the cast is, you got Aaron Eckhart, Paul Giamatti in the supporting cast. You've got Michael C. Hall and Joe Morton, too. <laughs> it is the most 2003 movie ever made. Oh, uh, well, judging by the trailer, it looks like it just absolutely sucks. <laughs> oh, it, it, I mean, it rocks, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Future commentary track of Paycheck. We need to make that happen. That looks like a good one to do a commentary track for. Um, but Primer, I, I, we talked about it last year on the sci-fi bracket. It gets a lot of love because it's a really, really small budget movie about these guys who uh, pretty much end up creating uh, like a time machine. And they create and establish a list of rules on how to use it. It's done for, like, no money. I think it was, like, they made it for, like, $200,000 or something. Like, Blair Witch Project Jeez. level budget. And uh, it, it's a pretty cool pretty cool premise. It establishes the rules of how this machine works, and it follows all of them to a T. Extremely tight written script. And it reminds me of something like Memento, but with more of, like, a science fiction edge and more of, like, a... Uh, 
uh, like an an element of like fantasy, and it's it's a cool right. movie. I definitely recommend yeah. checking that out too. Um, but no, we're doing a commentary track of Paycheck. That shit looks awesome. <laughs> All right, halfway through the first round, on the other side, this is the video game time travel round. We've got Prince of Persia up against Assassin's Creed. Gyllenhaal or Fastbender? Oh, typically I'd say Fastbender, but I can't Ew. hear. <laughs> this this movie, Assassin's Creed, is one of the few movies that I've just straight up not finished watching. Prince of Persia: Sands of Time is kind of weird because why is Jake Gyllenhaal playing a Persian dude? Um, yeah. Like Ben Kingsley, you get it. You're like, oh, okay. Of course, Ben Kingsley's playing a, a Persian dude because duh. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's wild. Uh, but it it's got cool little action set pieces. It reminds me very much of like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like it's about on par with like On Stranger Tides or like the Lone Ranger movie. Like there's there's some yeah. like. It's not a good adaptation of, like, the video game, but it's, like, a PlayStation 1 platforming game. Like, how are you really going to make that a, a uh, like, a full-fledged movie? It, it tells the story, but it, it adds a lot, and there's, like, lore and stuff. It's it's Disney entertaining. Just, I would Disney watch just it really wanted another Pirates franchise. They tried a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. And this was a weird one for, like, the cast. It's just weird. Yeah. I remember... Yeah. Yeah. No, just Assassin's Creed sucks. Everything about it. Like, if you're trying to follow a franchise that has this much lore, and then you, like, implement this much of it, and absolutely demolish the rest, like, it doesn't make any sense. The camera work was bad, lighting in every single scene was horrendous. And he's just overacting for this, like, garbage movie. I didn't understand, like, the yoga-type shit, either. That's not in the games. He's, like, practicing yoga while in the cerebral machine or the cerebral machine or whatever they call it. It's weird. Yeah, gonna have to give yeah. him Prince of Persia here. Unfortunately. I am, too. This is, uh, this is a <laughs> horror movie round in the time travel bracket. We've got the Ashton Kutcher movie, The Butterfly Effect, <laughs> yeah. up against Happy Death Day. Uh, this is a hot take, but I... Happy Death Day... Might be the one I'm going with. I haven't seen it. Well, I can't say that. I have seen some of the butterfly effect, but I haven't seen Happy Death Day. But a lot of people keep telling me it's good. Yeah, I had, like, no interest to, like, ever check out Happy Death Day. Yeah. And I think I... Sean Bowley. <clears throat> I, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. I didn't. I haven't seen it. No, I'm trying to think. I don't know, but the movie itself, I mean, I think it's an entertaining watch. Yeah. It's, Groundhog, uh, like Palm Springs, copies off, off of the Groundhog plot, but um, I think this one, it's just, it knows what it is. It's not like, Palm Springs, I mean, it went to, like, film festivals, and it, like, like yeah. Andy Samberg's talking about how it's, like, his passion project. Happy Death Day. They knew exactly what they were making and just well, ran with it. They like they even did really well with the trailer because it like did kind of seem interesting, but not enough for me to actually go see it in theaters. Yeah, yeah, it's very self-aware. It's a it's a slasher movie, but it's the same day every single day, and this girl is trying to figure out who's killing her every day. It's yeah. it's a pretty good it's a good concept, and I like the sequel more. Happy Death Day to You is just like way more bonkers, and it's like yeah. a little funnier. <laughs> um, but no, it like it's a good it's like oh let's make Groundhog Day a slash 
slasher movie. Just like Freaky was like, let's make Freaky Friday a slasher movie. It's it's a good yeah. idea of t- flipping a, a a concept for a movie on its head by making it a, a horror slasher film. Uh, yeah. Butterfly effects cool because it's got like the concept of like, oh, I'm gonna go back in time and change something, and the big thing is like how it affects them in the current timeline. Uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it's cool. <laughs> uh, it's like one of the most '90s movies I've ever seen. This is like Ashton Kutcher's breakout role. The acting's bad. I I love Ashton Kutcher, but the acting's bad. <laughs> and uh, Happy Death Day to You just everyone's playing into the the typecast. Like it, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm with you, Josh. I'm yeah. down for that. All right, uh, man. I wish Jory was here for this. Oh. We've got. Army of Darkness up against Land of the Lost. Yeesh. I fucking hate Land of the Lost. I think it's one of the worst Will Ferrell movies. And a lot of people defend that shit. They're like, oh, it's funny. Is it? So you think it's worse than Holmes and Watson? It's not as bad, but it's it's same same tier. Because, like, at least you got, like, Danny McBride. Like, you got other people in this. It's not, like, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell being completely wasted in a terrible parody of Sherlock Holmes. I... It, not to be like too much on a tangent, but I actually enjoyed Holmes and Watson. Bruh. <laughs> yeah, I went with Steven, our S tier guest that's never actually spoken on the podcast. Yeah, he uh he didn't mind it at the time. I don't know what his feelings are like I guess two years later, but yeah, I thought it was okay. It wasn't like a huge waste of my time, I don't think. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Army of Darkness here. I think it's one of the best comedies. It's one of the best time travel comedies, uh, and it's a sequel to the Evil Dead 1 and 2. It's it's wild. It's so wild. It's probably my favorite Sam Raimi movie. If I'm just going, like, based off of his, like, what makes Sam Raimi awesome in terms of, like, uh, having characters that take themselves seriously but just absolutely absurd and hilarious like scenes and stuff it's it's the best yeah um up next we've got looper versus 12 monkeys low flying plane welcome to orlando home of low flying planes i really like looper yeah so (laughs) i think i think this one is kind of difficult because looper's good yeah but like 12 monkeys was good enough to also get like a series ryan johnson's never directed a bad movie (laughs) (laughs) ryan johnson is getting 460 million dollars to make two sequels for netflix Uh. um yeah i haven't seen uh i haven't seen uh 12 monkeys i like it a lot alarm Oh, that's the fire alarm test. Is that our building? It's off. Who cares? Yeah, okay. I think that um, Twelve Monkeys is one of the best like Brad Pitt like movies. Like, I think it's a really, really solid time travel movie. I, it establishes yeah. its rules similar to Primer, and where like once it creates them, it follows them yeah. through. The Bruce Willis performance in Twelve Monkeys is way better than the Bruce Willis performance in Looper. I also don't like the <laughs> ending of Looper because it's like, oh, we're going to subvert your expectations, but I, I saw him shooting himself coming a mile away. Like, I thought it was yeah. happening in the first or second act. Like, yeah, it, it, I don't know. You could tell in the trailer. Uh-huh. I also just think it's a really weird choice to give Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, the makeup to look to try to look like a younger Bruce Willis. <laughs> like, 
we don't need that. Like, I, I appreciate the effort, but you could have just told me, oh, that's the younger version of him. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're both white dudes. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like 12 Monkeys more personally. I think Looper's I'm, a little overrated. I'm siding with 12 Monkeys. All right. <laughs> X-Men Days of Future Past, the best superhero movie of all time and the movie that <laughs> won the first season of our show. Up against Avengers Endgame. Yeah, the um, I think the the time travel aspect of Endgame I don't think is as cool as Days of Future Past. I mean, in Endgame, all they do is go back to past Marvel movies, and um, I mean, Days of Future Past, you have Wolverine interacting with the cast of First Class that was so beloved a movie before, and uh, introduce Quicksilver. Um, It um, yeah, and it. It was, uh, like we said before, it's like a prequel, sequel, reboot, all into one, and it wasn't a mess. It it sucks that the X-Men franchise died a horrible death. Hey, Apocalypse rocks. <laughs> I think Days Apocalypse of Future Past... Apocalypse fucking rocks. <laughs> but at least Days of Future Past gave a X-Men Apocalypse in those movies a platform to try yeah. to continue the franchise. I just... To try. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because of how they were trying to set up the time travel in Days of Future Past, it was good that they like made paradoxes and broke some rules for it so they could change the, the future they were in. But it's like Endgame does try to set up rules, then proceeds to break them, then sets up more that are just completely contrasting to the original, and then breaks those as well. And don't get me wrong, Endgame has its fun moments yes. when it comes to time travel. The two Captain America's fighting is pretty fun. The Captain America's fighting is, is pretty good, and I think the Tony Stark seeing with his dad, his dad Tony, yeah, is, is yeah. part of the whole movie, in my opinion. Yes, it is. I just, but it's, with that one good scene, or the two good scenes, it's just, it's not enough to compete with uh, an interesting take like Days of Future Past. They also went back to Thor the Dark World. Yeah. I actually, yeah, went back that wasn't a redeeming the, factor to that, but it wasn't. I think what it comes down to is X-Men Apocalypse used its time travel premise to, like, grow and develop the characters, or, to, like, to bring them together. Like, you understand, like, the relationship between uh, Charles Xavier and Magneto way better after, uh, like, from first class into um, uh, Days of Future Past, but with Endgame, they, like, redo characters arcs for no reason like thor learns the hero's journey and shit like for the fourth time in three movies it's again we don't need to keep seeing (laughs) this happen like yeah endgame just kind of does it so i think they can have that that like paradox timeline of like oh well tony stark has to give up his family in one line his daughter and like all of that to save the world and it's a great way to end his character but it hurts the rest of the cast like it's already bad enough you had half of the cast of the last movie like die with with the snap but now you're like oh and then five years passes and uh all of hawkeye's family's dead and he's in japan killing people for money it's like, what are, this is not what this character would do in any situation. He wanted to retire before this. He would still retire. Like, it's weird. The, um, and then both of these movies have really, um, satisfying, wholesome endings. Like, with Captain America's character, um, going back in yeah. time. I think everybody wanted that ending for the character, if that character was going to have an ending. But in Days of Future Past, I mean, Wolverine, he's... He's back at the mansion. You see, uh, 
you see Jean Grey there, and then you see James Marsden as Cyclops, and it's like, yes, like, Last yeah. Stand wasn't the last thing for these for this cast. We got to see him, like, even if it was for one scene, we got to see him all interact one more time, and it was a fitting ending to that era of X-Men. There's a future past. I don't think you'll ever see something like that again. Like, in terms yeah, of no. incorporating two chronologies of, of superhero casted characters... I guess they're trying to do this now because they're trying to bring back Michael Keaton Batman for whatever yeah. the hell that movie is going to be. And the, for the, the Flash Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. universe, I guess. Yeah, whatever happened. No one knows. We'll see. But Jory's 100% right that Days of Future Past was ahead of its time <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. I really, really like the Kennedy assassination. Why would you incorporate that in the movie? He was one That's of so us, fucking bro. bold. It's it's too based. It really is. <laughs> that could have been a spinoff all on its own. Yeah. That was so wild. Like, why did it feel the need to go there? Yeah, I was just like, are they like Magneto prequel baiting here? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> are we getting a JFK mutant movie? <laughs> That'd be wild if they were like, oh no, this is actually connected to. Um, Oliver Stone's JFK, like Kevin Costner shows up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, up next. This is an interesting one. We've got Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me going up against uh, Back to the Future, a movie that Alden thinks sucks. I was about to say, Alden, uh, you have the floor here. I, there's not much I can say. I know you guys are picking Back to the Future, and that's okay. I think, like, in terms of time travel, it, it does do stuff better than Austin Powers. So... I don't have a huge argument here other than I prefer watching Austin Powers, obviously. Is this the first Austin Powers movie? Second. Second. International okay. Man of Mystery is the first one. Spy Who Shagged Me is the good one. And then there's Goldmember. <laughs> the, I mean, I like all three of the movies. I think the yeah, second I one is too. the best one. Um, it's it's but, it has all the stuff that you remember from yeah. watching those movies. Yeah. Besides the, the like parody Hollywood reboot of the austin powers movie in the beginning <laughs> yeah. of gold member that's the best part of that movie but uh, everything yeah. like mini me mini me's not in international man of mystery fat bastard's not an in international man of mystery all of these like extra mike myers characters all show up in spy who shagged me and it rocks and then the ending is wild where uh where fucking Seth Green finds out on the Mari show that <laughs> Dr. Evil's his father. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, Scott Evil. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Evil. Um, yeah. It's, uh, these are really tough movies to compare. I think if, like, if we had, like, Austin Powers against, like, Bill and Ted, that would be that an would interesting be a lot comparison. Closer, yeah. But I think, but also, like, uh, Back to the Future, we talked about before recording, has a lot of humor that we kind of forget about, even in its time travel, when Marty first goes uh, back to uh, back to the 50s, and he goes through that, um, goes through that like, farm, and the, the, the family thinks it's, like, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> the father's got, like, the shotgun ready to go. I do find it really funny, like, the, the whole DeLorean time machine stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love spoof movies. Like, I think the Austin Powers movies, like, parodying James Bond and poking fun at those tropes is awesome. Um, but it doesn't compare to Back to the Future is kind of, like, one of the most original. Well, not, like, original because it's 
borrowing a lot of elements from other like science fiction things, but it's like one of the great blockbusters I think of all time. Like it, everyone's parents, everyone like it's one of the most crowd pleasing movies. Yes, Josh, I use the word crowd pleasing. One of the most crowd pleasing movies I think out there. I think there's like. If you didn't grow up watching them, I could see people not liking them. I, I think that there are people that could just be like, it's not for me. But I think in general, if you were to turn these movies on, more people would be like, oh, yeah, let's watch Back to the Future. They would probably turn off Spy Who, or Spy Who Shagged Me halfway through or not barely pay attention to it. I We've got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure going up against Hot Tub Time Machine. Both time travel comedies. Yeah. I really want to One's vote funny. Hot Tub Time Machine. I want to vote Hot Tub Time Machine for the too. meme, but I can't. I mean, Bill and Ted's excellent uh, venture, oh. even though I think the sequel is awesome. I still really like this movie. Um, if we're talking about like what's like accessible to like pop culture, I mean, this movie's like shown like in schools, and uh, it's a fun thing that could be, I guess, educational. And at the same time, I mean, it's Bill and Ted. It's uh, two of the most like entertain two of them two of the greatest like duos in film history they're so entertaining uh, i gotta start with i've not seen this in school <laughs> i watched it in seventh grade social studies class for some reason what? it's a good movie though i do think the sequel's better but that I, I, to me like excellent adventure is like uh, it's kind of like a budget back to the future in a way where it's just like yeah yeah, we're giving these two goofballs unlimited power. They can just go and time travel and do the things that they need. But like, it's a it's a good movie, and it's it's still funny. There's bits of it that are hilarious um, still to this day. Like, I love that uh, the where Napoleon uh, is uh, just going to the water park, and he's like barely tall enough to ride the slides. Like, there's there's a lot of humor there. It's very historically inaccurate, but it, who cares? It, it's a movie that has fun with its premise all the way through. Where, like, Hot Tub Time Machine, it does have, like, a fun premise. It's like, oh, we're going back to the 80s, and this was before, like, the back to the 80s trend was, like, a thing. And um, it's funny, but it's, like, also, it, it takes itself too seriously and, like, sets up this, like, John Cusack's trying to get his wife back, and it's like, if it, it, we don't need all this, like, melodrama, like, just do a, like, crazy comedy where they go back to the 80s or whatever. And then Hot Tub Time Machine 2 sucks. <laughs> the, the cast were uh, guest hosts on Monday Night Raw. Mm. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely Bill and Ted here. It's gotta be. Oh, boy. All right, this one's gonna get weird. <laughs> We've got Project Almanac going up against Donnie Darko. Ah, oh, I've seen both of these movies. Um. Project Almanac is like a found footage time travel movie. It's very much like Chronicle, but instead of telekinesis, this kid has the ability to time travel. Yeah, yeah I remember the trailers for this movie and being like, oh, it's probably like another Chronicle. I'll see this. And I went in and I'm like, this wasn't that good. And <laughs> it, uh... It's fine. I think it's got its cool moments. Um, it uh, it just feels like a movie that could have been made. Like I just by like it seems so low budget for it to have a wide release, like in a theatrical run. Yeah. And maybe that's why I expected more. Maybe if I thought it was just like this little like indie like student film, because that's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, it's got, like, effects of, like, a major, 
motion picture, but you take that away, it's a very, like, simple, like, script that I could see, like, being, like, somebody's, like, uh, dare I say, project. I understand Palm Springs. Like, that was that was Andy Samberg's passion project. He's like, I want to make a movie where, like, I'm the, the, the vehicle of a Groundhog Day type movie. And, like, okay, that, that totally works. Project Almanac, to me, feels like a studio move to, like, try to do the next Chronicle. Like, it, it yeah. oddly yeah. feels calculated for something that's supposed to be very, like, uh, it, it should feel organic to some capacity. And I think that's why Chronicle works is, like, Sure, Max Landis was like an industry plant, and Josh Trank, like he, he he was the director, but like it still felt like these guys they went to school together and they like wanted to make this movie. They wrote a good script and they were like, "Yeah, screw it, we're just gonna do a superhero movie that takes place in real life and it's very grounded." And it just it uh, works. Yeah, and I don't know if Project Almanac was the same case. Maybe it was someone's, like, passion project and it just got studio backing, but to me, it just feels like the studio was like, yeah, we Chronicle made money. It was pretty cheap. We can do something like that. Um, I do like the butterfly effect elements, but seeing the main kid go evil is kind of cringe in this movie, in my opinion. Donnie Darko is a cult classic, and it's getting better with time, like as time goes on. Yeah, yeah like... Fuck the director's cut, though. Hate the director's cut. <laughs> The oh, the director of Project Almanac directed the 2017 Power Rangers movie. I did know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, how many writers did Project a, Almanac have? Two writers. Two writers. It had a 12 million dollar budget and made 33.2 million. It was a January movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, it is. Huge January. It was. Produced by Michael. Produced by Michael Bay. That's why it got a, lo- a wide release. There it is. And twelve million dollars is a very low budget for something like that, too. I mean, that's like a horror movie. That's probably close to the same budget as like a Happy Death Day. Donnie Darko uh, definitely has that passion project feel to it. I mean, I think it's a tight script. I think it's it's dark and kind of like gothic and like I understand like the hot topic phenomenon with like Donnie Darko, and I think why it's like kind of cringe or whatever but you want to talk about movies that did the whole like oh it's set in the 80s thing this did it like a decade a decade after the 80s ended this is like early 2000s let's do it soundtrack's awesome uh patrick swayze's good in this movie uh, he's awesome in this movie. breakout role yeah i this movie rocks the uh i love donnie darko yeah. One of those movies that made me want to get into making movies, which I know is cringe, and like every 11 year old sees it once and they're like, this is so deep. That's literally me. Yeah. yeah I heard the I people mean, that I've were been there. I heard people that went to film school when this movie came out. They came out of the. They came out of film school hating this movie because that's all other students talked about. I wouldn't it makes doubt sense. It. There's a really yeah. funny meme. Uh, it was like how they filmed Donnie Darko, and it was like a it was like a camcorder, and then it just had like a bowl of marijuana in it. It was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I I like that movie a lot. I really do. The sequel is horrible. Never watch S. Darko. The all around me are familiar faces scene is very memed upon now though. All right, so here we go. We we threw the first round. We're gonna do a speed round now. Gotta go for the gut instincts here. Ready? Uh, Groundhog Day going up against Back to the Past, a blast from the past. Ready? Three, two, one. It's Groundhog Day. Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. <laughs> I love you, blast to the ba- fuck, blast from the past. But you're barely a time travel. In fact, you're not a time travel movie. You're only on here because I wanted to talk about how awesome uh, uh, Brendan Fraser is, and I cannot wait <laughs> to talk about Looney Tunes back in action. 
Uh, <laughs> another right. Men in Black another three Alden round. versus uh, Interstellar. Ready? <laughs> three, two, one. It's Men in Black three. All right, Josh, it's up to you. <laughs> Men in Black three or Interstellar? I I thought they were so vote different. Interstellar. <laughs> These are the... oh, the... these are weird. I hmm. I think I have to go with Interstellar. Uh, pathetic. I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's the safe pick. It's definitely the the better the better made movie. If I pick yeah, MI3, it, it might win the bracket. <laughs> That's why I picked Interstellar. All right, we got Terminator up against Edge of Tomorrow. Ready? Three, two, one. It's Terminator. 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 The Time Machine, 1962, <laughs> up against Primer. Three, two, one. It's Primer. The Time Machine. Primer. <laughs> I guess I was a boomer there. <laughs> That's fine, though. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Okay. I think it's the only movie in this bracket I have not seen, so. <laughs> I've probably caught, like, five minutes of it on TV, but I, I don't think I've seen it. All right, Prince of Persia versus Happy Death Day. <laughs> Three, two, one. Happy, Happy Death, Death Day. Day. <laughs> All right, Army of Darkness up against Twelve Monkeys. Three, two, one. Army Twelve of Darkness. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. Like. Army of Darkness is wildly more entertaining, but in terms of being a time travel movie, 12 Monkeys is really good at what it does. I'm going to have to go with 12 Monkeys here. X-Men Days of Future Past versus Back to the Future. Ready? Three, two, one. Back to the Future. Future Future. Future. No. No. God. This would have been a bloodbath if we did this a year ago. Yeah. All right, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure versus Donnie Darko. Three, two, one. Donnie, Donnie Darko. Darko. Oh, next round of that is going to be... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit's about to get cringe, boys. All right, we're in the Elite Eight. Uh, we've got Groundhog Day, Interstellar, Terminator, uh, Primer, Happy Death Day. 12 Monkeys, Back to the Future, and Donnie Darko left. I think this is a pretty good top eight for this. this. Yeah. We did uh, well. Would have loved to have seen Men in Black 3 in here, but, you know, it's okay. You, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> um, man, Groundhog Day versus Interstellar. This is weird. So you've got, like, low, low stakes, low scope, time travel and then probably the highest scale most realistic time travel put the film literally saving a whole generation of people saving the species versus getting stuck in groundhog day yeah um alden why is it better than groundhog day all right <laughs> i think even even trying to watch groundhog day maybe once a year on groundhog day or sometime is just too frequent to watch it i agree um it's it's great i have a good time watching it but it's just i don't find that it, it has a, a it's not it's not that lasting for me it's uh once you see it maybe twice i feel like you've seen it enough 
Whereas like Interstellar, you can keep rewatching it if you want to. And there's a new aspect you'll catch on to every single time. You'll start finding something new to just ponder over or try and follow throughout the story. And like until the third act, it's really easy to follow, really, uh, I, I guess, a good teacher of the physics behind what they're trying to accomplish. And Groundhog Day just repeats the same day, so. But, I mean, look how many other movies there were just in this bracket that do Groundhog Day again, but add a twist, or just do Groundhog Day again or Palm Springs. You know, it's like, there, there's... yeah. It's such a good idea, and it's so unique that it almost is its own subgenre. Whereas, like Interstellar, to me, is a really, really good like science fiction like movie, a science fiction drama. It's a pretty good take on like using the science and knowledge that we have today to tell like a relatively convincing story for the first two acts. But um, I. Yeah, I would rather watch Groundhog Day, like, every day of the week. My view on this, these are, once again, just like the last round with Interstellar, these are two movies that are hard to judge. Yeah. Um, I think Bill Murray is pretty great in the role. Yes. And I think it's very, enter- it's, it's such a entertaining movie, and I think anybody could watch that and get enjoyment out of it. Um, in theory, you're, you are I love how much of an asshole he is. Like, it's one of those movies where you believe the transition of the character. Because, like, he starts off so shitty, he's just a, a dickhead to everyone. Then he's, like, living the same day over and over again, and he's still, like, he's like, well, this is, I'm just going to be worse then. He's like, I, I'm literally ruining everyone's day every day, and it's the same day. But then you get to the point where you you get so, he gets so annoyed, he just, like, he tries to kill himself. Like, that montage is insane. It's just, like, him, like, yeah, I'm throwing myself off this building. I'm driving this car into a train. Like, he's just, like, but by the end of it, you understand. He's, like, okay, well, maybe if I just be a better person, I can fix all of it. And he's trying to save the homeless guy. He's catching the kid falling from the tree, learns piano lessons, and... I think it's a little trite that it's all to impress a girl or whatever. Like, I think that that is kind of where it's sad. But, like, the messaging and the psychology behind having to deal with the struggle of living the same day every day, I think it's one of Bill Murray's best performances. I, I really do. I You see the full arc in, like, the, the breaking down of a dickhead. Like, he, he goes from being a total asshole to a redeemed person by the end of the movie, and I, I totally buy it. And it doesn't have faith or spirituality or any, like, themes of that. It's literally just a, an agnostic look at the world. And I think that that's really unique, especially for its time. Like, today, it has, like, the philosophy of, like, I think... Like, it's a very Gen Z movie. Like, I see what the, the push to do a Palm Springs. And like, even, like, going on the other side, McConaughey's performance in Interstellar is great. Um, uh, him and Hathaway's crying. there. And Anne Hathaway's yeah. there. And then, dare I say, Matt Damon shows up and causes a bro moment in the movie. The cast is a mixed bag, I think, for Interstellar. Legit. Even though, uh, yeah. even though the everybody in the cast are actors that I like, they're either having a really weird performance or they're screwing up the plot. Uh, unless you're Matthew McConaughey, because I think Matthew McConaughey is really good in the film. 
<laughs> that scene where Michael Michael Caine's dying, I still don't know what he says in that scene. I had to watch it with subtitles. This like the third time I saw the movie, I was like, "What is he even saying?" I still I can't remember. I, I think the this is the first Nolan movie to have like the problems that a lot of people have with them in the terms sound of design. just like yeah. the sound design is not what it needs to be. It is for the space scenes, like that shit rocks. Yeah, but you don't yeah. need you don't need Hans Zimmer pounding notes on an organ <laughs> while the, the fucking old dude's dying. Like, hello, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is a tough fight, um, but at the same time as many negatives interstellar has it does have a lot of positives i think it's really cool that this day and age we still had a movie like interstellar i don't think it's as like unique as say a 2001 space odyssey but i think it's really cool nolan gave that type of subgenre a shot and the like the the world building for it the the state that the earth is in and like the hints towards like half of civilization being bombed it's it's crazy, just the, the setup, just to get them to space. Yeah, it's a bra moment when Damon shows up, but the movie picks back up when Topher Grace shows up. <laughs> and Casey Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> and is who's that... played, who's, who's, he's older Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet yeah. is going to turn into Casey Affleck. Is that, Sorry uh... to hear that. We've been bullying Interstellar throughout this entire year of the show. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it to Interstellar. Well, there's so many aspects to the time travel in Interstellar too, so it's just like they repeat or many different forms of time travel. I'm pissed. <laughs> All right, Terminator versus fight. Primer. I, I think, Terminator. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love Primer, uh, I and I think like yeah. the whole the whole like point of of Primer, I think, is to do something that's like really grounded, really small-scale sci-fi, and I think that's cool, but Terminator kind of also did that and then launched a franchise, and I, like, I don't know. Terminator's awesome. I think it's one of the best 80s movies, period, so. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Death Day versus 12 (laughs) Monkeys. This is, like, this is, like, the quadrant that I just don't really give a fuck about, like, yeah. I kind of want to give it the Happy Death Day. <laughs> like, I like 12 Monkeys, but it's not one of those movies I could watch every day. Happy Death Day is a stupid yeah. enough movie where it's like, I could turn that on with friends just about any any day. Like, you know, we're just like, oh, let's, let's watch a dumb slasher movie, and it's funny, and, like, everyone's going to laugh and get along. Like, And we don't get, like, 12 Monkeys, I'd have to sla- explain things to people. Like, I don't want to do that. We don't get funny slasher movies anymore. You don't really get slasher movies unless they're trying no. to reinvent the slasher genre yeah. like Freaky or this, where they just flip it on its head. The closest thing is like Halloween uh, 2019, but it still doesn't have like the the quirky 80s like humor that Happy Death Day somehow had, but the <laughs> Halloween movie couldn't. Yeah, but it had some straight up hilarious scenes where the fucking the it little did. kid is like <laughs> that. That little kid steals the fucking movie when he's there. The fucking boyfriend <laughs> gets killed. He's like, oh hell no, and just runs away. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think you kind of need a little bit of humor to make a slasher movie work. Like I think that's why the Scream movies are so good, specifically the first one, is it balances like. A mystery and a like a, a horror film, but also a meta self commentary on you know shitty slashers of the nineties. Yeah, you a little bit of Happy Death Day. time travel movie work. That's fine. True. Sorry. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, Back to the Future versus Donnie Darko. 
How edgy uh, are we getting? Retract what I said because I know what I'm. I know I'm wearing a Back to the Future shirt. <laughs> oh my god! But <sighs> hmm. is Donnie Darko re like? Yeah, it's a time travel movie. But is it really a time travel movie? I I think both of these movies are actually similar when it comes to like in well in Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko's kind of like if Marty's dad was the main character. Like, in the sense, we're not following the person that's time-traveling. Which I think is a cool take on that genre. Both, it's weird, because it's like both character and supporting character want an end goal where, like, they want the character to do something. Like, they need Jake Gyllenhaal to do something in Donnie Darko, and then in Back to the Future... Marty's, they need Marty's dad to uh, uh, dance at the prom or whatever. And Back to the Future, I mean, it's iconic. I mean, it's one of the greatest films of all time, no matter what Alden will say on the show. No, I, I can't disagree with that. Like, that is the case. It sets up so much in pop culture. It's incredible uh, how beloved it is. But as a movie, Donnie Tarko is also fantastic. Like, I think we're dealing with two S-tier movies. Um, yeah, I think you're right that we're dealing with, like, two high-tier movies here. I just feel like... I loved when I thought that the only Back to the Future movie was the first one, even though it ends with To Be Continued or whatever, and, like, very obvious sequel bait, especially for its time. I don't really gel with either sequels. <laughs> like, I, I think the second one's overrated, and I think the third one's, like, fine. But whatever. Screw it. We're having a hot take. Donnie Darko's going over. <laughs> awesome. Alden, you did it. I did it. I didn't even say anything. He didn't even see Donnie Darko. Oh, that's also true. <laughs> Damn. You would like the movie, Alden. You really would. Yeah. I know. I think it's a little angsty, like, but... That's fine. <laughs> this is a weird... This is a weird... This is a weird final four. <laughs> this is not going to go the way I think. <laughs> All right. Final four. Probably We've got not. Interstellar, Terminator, Happy Death Day, and Donnie Darko. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I can't go on with this Interstellar agenda any longer. I don't know if I can either. Against Terminator? I, I Alden, you're going to have to really win me over here. There is not a single scene of fat in Terminator. Everything is cut and dry. It, it moves from point A to point B so well. It establishes every character you need to know. It builds this world and this lore and this uh, robot apocalypse in the future. It plants the seeds for Skynet. It does so much in one movie. And then... And it's, like, 90 minutes long. There's a whole hour of Interstellar that I think should be cut out. You don't need the Dr. Man shit at all. The <laughs> ending is stupid. I like it, but it's it's stupid. For a movie that takes itself extremely serious for, like, two acts to then just kind of jump the shark in the third is, is... It's just odd. It's such a weird movie. It, um... I think... If Terminator 2 made it out of this uh, section, I think there'd be, I'd kind of be with you, Alden, with an argument, because I think the time travel in Interstellar um, is better than T2's when it came to, like, progressing the plot. The T2 time travel just kind of stops for two acts, 
and you're just it's an action movie which is fine it's great yeah um but terminator the time travel and the implications of that movie affect the entire movie and so does interstellar but i think terminator just does it better well i mean there there's a huge difference between going back in time and then going forward in time at different rates like you go back in time you can change the future like they're trying to do but with interstellar they have to be very careful with how much time they spend uh doing what they're doing like they were on that planet for 50 years his daughter finally figures out how to get off of earth like efficiently and then she goes to bed for however long he was trying to get back so it's just i don't find these to be easily comparable i can't make an argument to sway you to interstellar because of that um i think both of these handle their time travel pretty well but it's just like they go opposite directions the point I'll give you, Alden, is I agree that Interstellar is hard to compare to every other movie on here. It is one of the most unique movies, uh, science fiction movies, time travel movies, otherwise. It's one of the most unique movies. Um, the only r real thing you could compare it to in terms of its scope would be something like 2001, but that's merely in its aesthetics and its presentation. It has nothing to do with the, each other plot-wise or anything like that. Um, that being said, I think this is kind of like a Groundhog Day scenario where it's like, Terminator inspired so many more things. Like, uh, m way more time travel movies came out after Terminator than there were, like, before. Before, you just had kind of, like, your schlocky kind of campy stuff with, like, the time machine and, like, borrowing from, like, H.G. Wells and stuff. And then you probably had uh, a little bit with, like, the Planet of the Apes sequels where there's time travel and stuff like that. It was kind of just, like, a hokey kind of, like, oh, we can do, like, a, a Twilight Zone episode with some time travel. It wasn't, like... We're going to build an entire movie around yeah. a time travel where's, premise. Where's Escape from the Planet of the Apes? Because that would make my final four. <laughs> of course it would make your final four. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it has to be Terminator here. I, like I said, the pacing, there's not a single thing I'd cut from this movie. There's a lot I would cut from Interstellar. I think within Interstellar, there's a masterpiece. There's a literal nine, to ten, nine or ten out of ten movie. But there's so much that doesn't need to be there, and then there's just... I want a little bit more at the end. Like, I want to see Jessica Chastain's character fucking save the planet. That's the whole point of the movie. Yeah, And that gets blown away like by the fucking bookshelf 70% of the Dr. Man stuff and replaced it with her. And, like, it seems like... I'm not... And I'm not, like trying to talk shit on interstellar but if we're talking about inspiration whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing interstellar just kind of had inspiration for future nolan movies and sometimes the negatives from interstellar has continued on like the weird the weird sound design um the the overuse of uh, a score um but there are some positives too i think christopher nolan Right after this, he made Dunkirk. I think the cinematography of Interstellar laid the foundation, and he made it an incredibly looking, a great, incredibly great looking movie like yeah. uh, Dunkirk, or even in uh, Tenet. Uh, the little action we saw in Interstellar, we saw elevated in uh, Tenet. And even though the mixing is kind of like a bra moment for Interstellar, the score reinvents how the organ is used. The organ beforehand was always used for like uh, horror or church-related stuff, and now it's used in multiple sci-fi properties. So it's like, 
I don't know. I don't yeah, know but Davy Jones that. did that think... better. <laughs> yeah, no, the organ's been used in uh, Hello Star Wars. Hello, Dave, <laughs> like Dave two thousand one. Davy Jones. <laughs> D- yeah, Davey but not Jones. in the same capacity <laughs> because it's always like a darker note to it. Yeah, I mean, well, it uses I think... the organ as like a rhythm instrument in terms of like establishing a pace and a and a rhythm instead of just yeah. a, a note or a melody. But maybe I don't know. Maybe people view the movie different. But I always saw I see the organ as the darker tone of the movie because they're in space, and space is kind of like the the antagonist of this movie. Time and space is what they're fighting against in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, until Doctor Man, you're right. Until Doctor Man, <laughs> that's why this movie could have worked. They didn't need an actual physical antagonist it honestly it still would have been better if there was only like a few minutes of him rather than the entire act it's uh yeah i mean and when you first see matt damon like it's a really cool moment because you're like matt damon's in this movie yeah it's like oh okay (laughs) and then the planet they're on is interesting and stuff but it's i like the sequences that happen they're visually pleasing but they take away I love the visuals so, of Interstellar. I think it's the best looking Nolan movie by by yeah, a lot yes. actually. I think yes. everything it does with practical effects and and visual effects, even the sound design is awesome. I think the the mixing's weird, but um no, I I think it's it's a very 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 good movie that could have been a masterpiece. And I think Terminator for what it is of being a relatively small scale thriller and science fiction movie, it just does everything right. It's a I don't normally say, like, there's perfect movies, but, like, you can't change anything about the original Terminator. The reason why we keep getting sequels and reboots that don't work is because there's a love for this movie so much. Like, there's so much potential in what we see in this movie. The 80s were, like, a big year for, like, pop culture and that, and I I could firmly, like, feel like I could debate and say that the first Terminator is in the top 10 films of the 80s. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there with like Amadeus yeah. in Brazil for me. Yeah. Sorry, Alden. Interstellar, Final Four. That's pretty <laughs> it good. It made a That's run. Better than I thought. I literally thought it would be out in the first round. So, you know. Bravo. <laughs> um, up next, Happy Death Day versus Donnie Darko. This is getting weird. Alden I'm wants to debate Happy, Happy Death, Death Day here. I'm not debating it. I'm just picking it. That, no, tell... T- no, because Tell I haven't seen it. either of these. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> um, Both of you have put up like great arguments for the two of these movies against <laughs> other things, so I need to I need to hear some more. I don't want to argue for Happy Death Day. You no, I'm agreeing with Nate, just... but you can sway me if I hear a good take for it. It's not happening. <laughs> All right. What can I say? I'll just watch the trailer and go off that. According to us, the three, the my bad, the three of us, the two <laughs> best time travel movies are Terminator and Donnie Darko. I I like this top too because you have one one time travel movie that's very experimental, not for everyone when it comes to like um, I guess like the general audience, and then you have Terminator, one of the biggest franchises yeah. in film history. Like, going punch for punch here, again, I think that Terminator is a perfectly serviceable blockbuster. I think it's a perfectly serviceable, scaled-down movie. I think because people 
like would not like I think there's a good amount of people that would just not like Donnie Darko. It's like I, I kind of just want to lean with like what I think the popular opinion here is and just go with Terminator because again, there's not anything in the the movie that I think needs to be changed. And I agree that Donnie Darko didn't need to be changed either, but they've George Lucas the shit out of this movie and the director's cut is horrible. It actually like it brings the movie down like a whole a whole star for me. Like it takes it to a it, it the visual effects don't look great, but I don't think they needed to look great. And I think like. Donnie Darko's pretty serviceable. I think it's a good story. I think it has a unique twist. I think it's like environment and it's it's like it's got the 80s down to a T. It's got the environment. It's got great a great 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 cast. Um man, actually oh, damn. This is hard. You're right and like I mean we didn't really talk about. I guess we did with Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. The um, the way the time travel is presented visually, um, Donnie Darko doesn't really have any of that. Uh, Terminator, of course, does. Where you first see um, Arnold, Arnold, we first see first, right? Beam, I guess, beam into. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to rank James Cameron movies at the in the end of July. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good. Um, it's going to be a good ranking. For now, my, my vote has to go to Terminator. I don't think it. I don't think it could be Donnie Darko. Thank you, everyone, for watching today's episode of Duel of the Take. Sorry that uh, Josh and Alden's video cut out here at the end, but uh, yeah.